On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. At the end of the day, what we want to do is feedback some of what we learned from the summit and use those attendees as the influencers going forward. It's become a successful annual event to help revitalize rural areas of Iowa, and the latest edition is just a few weeks away. The value of Iowa farm ground continues to climb by staggering amounts. And in our business profile, we'll hear about the business of a leading business group. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of March 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. It began with a meeting of like-minded people in Jefferson. Now the annual Iowa Rural Summit attracts hundreds of people to a multi-day conference. The sixth edition will be held April 12th and 13th in Ames. Bill Menner is executive director of the main organizer, the Iowa Rural Development Council. It seems like an eon ago that uh, we first came together in November of 2016 in the snow in Jefferson. But boy, yeah, this is number six. And we learn a lot every time we do this. Uh, We had two pandemic uh, affected summits. But now I feel like we're back on our regular footing. We're back in our intended April time slot. We're not competing with the state fair. All is right with the world. (laughs) And you're moving it this year to Ames. It has been held in a variety of locations over the course of time. Talk about what you're hoping to accomplish this year, because again, from my perspective, things are as about as back to normal pre-COVID as one can hope, given everything. And so there's some good momentum to be had, it would appear. Absolutely. You know, one of our challenges is when you have now exceeding 300 people, you know, maybe, you know, approaching 400, the number of rural venues that can accommodate a place like that, especially with breakout sessions, uh, starts to get more limited. So, yeah, we did Jefferson the first year and Grinnell for a pair of years and then the pandemic. And then we went to Cedar Rapids to Kirkwood Community College. But we had a lot of folks in Western Iowa say, man, we wish you could do it a little closer. So we're going to Ames now for a lot of reasons, but part of it is to try to reach out to folks farther west, and, and we'll keep looking. We're, we're going to keep experimenting with venues. We've had some interest from some communities that want to host the summit. In reality, there's so much going on in northwest and southwest Iowa. We want to give those communities a chance to be part of the summit without having to travel half a day. What should we find on the agenda this year that might interest people? Because my guess is, Bill, that you've done this now enough years You've got certain communities who have become regulars, and you have to kind of keep those people interested and motivated, so you have to come up with uh, even more unique opportunities for them to get good information. It's a great point, and another challenge is the fact is we like to highlight great stories. We want the communities to talk about the things they're doing that might be replicable in a different small town. And hearing that town, its leaders talk about what they're doing in whatever area it is, from broadband to housing to entrepreneurship, we want to share that. So, yeah, we have told a whole bunch of stories over years one through five. It's not a matter of it being a challenge, but we do try to vary things. So, for example, 
one of the things we're going to really be talking about this year, uh, one example is our K through 12 and our community colleges are so valuable. And we have a session called Education Partnerships Lead the Way. And we're going to talk about some of the work that's going on at DMAX Perry campus when it comes to training rural EMS, EMTs, and paramedics. We're going to talk about this remarkable program by this company out of Carroll that is actually providing telehealth mental health services to K through 12 students in some school districts and rural places because they don't have access to mental health services necessarily easily in another way. And then we're going to talk about the new relationship between Southeast Iowa Community College and Iowa Wesleyan University. They've actually merged and they're creating content at both a community college and a four-year university level. I had no clue. But that's, a, that's an amazing story because Iowa Wesleyan was on the verge of bankruptcy. They were going to close their doors. Southeast Iowa Community College stepped in and said, wait a second, you're too important to us to go away. Let's find a way to partner. And in fact, what they have is a thriving partnership. So that's just one example. We're trying to find these great stories. It's no different than being a journalist, being a radio guy. You want to tell good stories, and that's what we're trying to do. And to the point about, and I don't think it's too strong a phrase to use, survival in Iowa's rural areas. The communities, and you've highlighted so many of these when I've been at this conference, and so I only know it because you've brought them to the table previously, but the communities that have said, what can we do to make ourselves distinctive and unique? What can we do to break down old rules and boundaries Because if we stick with the old way, we're just not going to be here. And so these innovative partnerships, that is really inspiring for all of those who come. And that's the whole point, right? You want these communities to learn from the successes of others. Yep, we do. And we want them to share with each other. We want them to network and create new partnerships amongst themselves, whether they're on other sides of the state or across the county line. So I think the value of folks being together, we learned that absolutely during that one year where during the pandemic, when we had to do this remotely, everyone was crying out for the networking opportunities. And so we're able to do that in Ames. The other thing I'll say about Ames is that it gives us access to everything that's going on at Iowa State, from the research park to the startup incubators and all the researchers and the experts not that Iowa City and and Cedar Falls wouldn't have that or some of our other universities, but from a rural perspective, there's just, there's a rich multitude of options that we can look to and and highlight as part of the summit. Some just logical connections. There's just some perfect uh, connections in there. And so it certainly makes sense to have Ames and the home of Iowa State University in the rotation. This is not simply a matter where Some guy like Jeff Stein wants to come and he registers. You're really hoping that if I am working within a community, that my car is full of people. That is absolutely true. You know, if you want to come as an individual, that's great. We welcome you and you're going to pay a registration fee. But if you're a rural leader and you bring a three-person team, you're going to pay almost the same amount for the three of you that one person is gonna pay as an individual. So we try to cut a deal. Vinton Marketing and Communications Company is providing us with some pro bono help this year to help us get the word out because they're a rural company themselves and they see real value in the summit. And they came up with an interesting tagline, which was 
come with a team, return with a planning committee, which is true. If you have a three-person, or in the case of a couple communities, a couple of three-person teams coming, you know, you, you come back and you've already got your, your subcommittee ready to go. That's a fantastic way to look at it because, again, the concept, as you've expressed it to me before in these conversations we've had, is when one person goes to an event and they come back and report back, that's often where it just stops. But if you have two and three people, three is a, a wonderful number for a working group. If you have three people all hear the same thing, all talk amongst themselves while they're there, interact with others, they're formulating the plan in the car on the way home. And you get a much better buy-in and liftoff if you've got multiple people as opposed to here's one person, nobody else was there. That's a pretty heavy lift. It is. And the fact that our breakout sessions are, are devised in a way that there are three concurrent sessions at three different times. So you're going to want to divide and conquer. You're going to want person A to go to this session and person B to go over here and person C to hit the third so that you're taking in as a team all of the content we have to offer. Whereas if you're a single person, you're making choices. What is it I want to learn about most? So small towns are different. You know, it, it, you wear lots of hats. And the folks that come to the summit from these small towns are everything from the mayor or a city council member to the chamber president or the economic developer to a retired volunteer or the library director. So it's not like it has to be the elected officials who come. It's folks who want to make things happen. And it's better to do that in numbers. I want to close this conversation like I close, I think, every conversation we've had previewing the Rural Summit, and that is, how do you measure success? We always do a, a survey of our attendees afterwards trying to learn what did we do right what did we do wrong and i'll say last year's event in cedar rapids again in the teeth of the post immediate post pandemic uh where we had to limit attendance we, we learned a lot but people like the summit so now it's a matter of fine-tuning it making sure we're, we're providing them with the content that they want and at the end of the day when i hear case studies of towns that took something they learned from the summit, applied it locally, and succeeded. Those are the stories that, that I want to hear told. And, and the other important thing I'll note is that, you know, an important partner for us is the Empower Rural Iowa Initiative. And for the second straight year, Lieutenant Governor Adam Gregg is going to talk at lunch. And he's going to talk about the Rural Innovation Grants, and the work of Empower Rural Iowa and how our work as the council and their work as Empower sort of dovetail. And he's going to have great case studies to tell, too. So this is really a celebration of small town successes. Um, and I will admit one of our sessions is on census numbers from 2020, which you'll say, oh, well, that's bad because rural Iowa is declining. And the answer is, yeah, it is. But what about those stories where it's not? And how do we lift up those successes and celebrate them and convince other rural towns to think about what they're going to look like in 2030? If you had a decline in 2020, you could just tuck tail and run, or you could say, well, now, how do you beef up the stats? Because you're going to need some time to implement whatever strategy you do employ. At the end of the day, what we want to do is feedback some of what we learned from the summit and use those attendees as the influencers going forward to have them tell, 
hey, here's why I liked it, and B, here's why I'm coming back. Bill Minner is executive director of the Iowa Rural Development Council, online at iowardc.org. We connected via Zoom on Friday, March 18. Still to come, it's the finest of its kind in the world and now worth even more money. And how one leading Iowa trade group made it through the pandemic. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Where can you find eight different museums and art galleries within one walkable square mile? Why, in Waterloo, of course. Waterloo, Iowa is home to the Sullivan Brothers Veterans Museum, the Dan Gable National Wrestling Museum, the John Deere Tractor and Engine Museum, the Waterloo Center for the Arts, and more. Which begs the question, why not Waterloo? I'm Mayor Quentin Hart, inviting you to Waterloo. Come for a visit, stay for the great quality of life. Look us up at cityofwaterlooiowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the annual competitive dashboard data by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. Once again, Iowa's farmland value climbed last year, statewide a whopping 29% increase from the year before. According to the Center for Agricultural and Rural Development at Iowa State University, the state average dollar value per acre for Iowa farmland was $9,751, about $2,200 more than in 2020. 16 of Iowa's 99 counties saw an increase of 32% or more, again a value of one-third more in a single year, and half of those were in northeast Iowa. The greatest percentage increase, in fact, was in the far northeast corner of our state, 36.4% increase in both Alamakee and Clayton counties. Six counties boast average values of more than $12,000 per acre. Five of those are in northwest Iowa, but the highest value in the state is in Scott County at $13,852 per acre. Coming up, helping business through the pandemic. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Do me a favor, farmers of Iowa, and honk your horn if you're proud to grow soybeans. Now that I've got your attention, take advantage of the programs, information, and opportunities provided by the Iowa Soybean Association and the Soybean Checkoff. If you market 250 bushels or more of soybeans annually, a bumper crop of benefits is easily accessible. Just make the connection at IASoybeans.com and reap the benefits of belonging. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Get more at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. In this week's business profile segment, we'll reconnect with Mike Ralston, president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Iowa ABI was one of the founding sponsors of this radio program and podcast. While we have heard about businesses being creative in coming through the pandemic, 
What about a nonprofit group like Iowa ABI, whose role is to help business? I asked Mike Ralston about it this past week. Your organization, now known as the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, has been around for nearly 120 years now. The focus initially was manufacturing. Now it involves some 1,500 businesses. And when I look at the roster, I mean, it's everything from what I'll call a small business to some of the largest manufacturers. Your organization, then, is to do multiple things. One is to be a voice on their behalf, whether that's in this conversation or on Capitol Hill up the street from your office, but it's also to be a resource for members. So I want to talk about the business of ABI for a moment. This has been one of the more challenging two- to three-year periods, I trust, that any trade organization has had to go through. How has it been for you folks? Because you're a business group, and business was shut down, large segments of it, for a long time. Talk about what you all had to do to remain viable in your business. I'll talk about that, but first I want to say how grateful I am to you for the work you do to make sure business has a profile in this state. You're uh, Iowa's best business broadcaster, and I never take that for granted. So thanks for all you do for business. Well, you're very kind. It has, well, it has been a challenging time. You're right, uh, the pandemic certainly impacted our business. And I'd say two things. One, this is ABI's second global pandemic. I don't know too many organizations that can say it, but we also weathered the uh, global pandemic in uh, 1917, 18, and 19, the Spanish influenza pandemic. We're going to get past this one too, but I'm, I'm mindful. The second thing I'd say is that two years ago this month, we were having one of our very best years ever. We just had one of our most uh, popular annual events. We had a terrific crowd, a lot of energy. And the very next week, everything shut down. And you're right, it's been a real challenge. What our members benefited from, and again, I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm just going to make it a fact. The governor in this state didn't shut down manufacturing. So manufacturers were able to stay in business. Our members took a number of actions to protect their employees. If there are three people on a production line in close proximity, you can't maybe change that. But many of our members put plexiglass barriers between production workers or rearranged production lines so that people weren't next to each other. They uh, provided all the personal protective equipment they could. They did whatever they could to keep their people safe. When vaccines became available, we organized with the help of uh, the governor and other officials in Iowa, vaccination clinics. Uh, The point is our members were trying to do, and not just manufacturers, everybody was trying to do all they could to protect their employees and stay in business. And lo and behold, here a couple of years later, thankfully, it seems like we've weathered the worst of it. You mentioned that right before the shutdown, you had this wonderful annual event in Des Moines with lawmakers, etc. Mm-hmm. Your largest event every year is the annual conference, getting down to business. You had to shut that down for a year, and then the year after, there were some limitations on how many could register. And not to be blunt, but that's a financial hit for a trade organization. Sometimes worry that you know more about our organization than I do, but you're exactly right. All of that. Uh, I remember uh, two years at this time, we were talking about, well, you know, we'll be cautious. We'll probably be able to have the annual conference, but we, you know, we'll be careful. Well, as you point out, we weren't. And that is a sizable hit to our revenue. But it's something, you know, we planned for uh, rainy days. We didn't think the rainy day would be a global pandemic. And so we were able to, in many ways, uh, not only remain in business, we didn't lay anybody off. We didn't have any uh, salary uh, decreases or anything like that. But the point was, we were 
more than ever serving members. You know, we were identifying where they could find PPE. We were arranging new vendors. In some cases, uh, members were dealing with vendors in states that were shut down, so they couldn't get that product to make their product. So we helped them find other vendors. We helped find capital, all those things. And you're right. Then we were so glad last year when we could have a conference, but we limited it. We were going to limit it to 350, but the demand was so high. We ended up being in a, not a, a ballroom, but a, an exhibition space where large uh, machinery is demonstrated. And so we were able to have 400 people there, which is about, uh, I don't know, two thirds maybe of where we were usually somewhere around six to 700. And so this year it looks like we'll blow by that number. Everybody's excited to come. But yeah, it, it definitely had an impact on our revenue. Uh, but the point was we were able to continue to serve members and very fortunate, felt fortunate that we could do that. So now, two years from the start of the pandemic, you're optimistic about the health of your organization and Iowa business as a whole. I am. I will tell you, the business of ABI has never been stronger. Our balance sheet is in the best shape uh, that it's ever been. We actually added members through the pandemic. I think that's a reflection of the things we were doing for Iowa business. More than anything, uh, though, what's good is that members are doing well. Uh, They're feeling well. They're, they're factually doing well. Their balance sheets are good. Their revenues are up. Their employment is strong. And so when Iowa business is good, not only is ABI in great shape, but so is our state as a whole. So we're pretty excited about uh, the months ahead. Mike Ralston is president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry online at IOWAABI.org. We connected via Zoom on Wednesday, March 23. Iowa ABI members have weighed in on their expectations for the upcoming second quarter of the year. We'll have those details next week. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We will be back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.